welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Man, how many people believe that there's power in the name of Jesus? There is nothing that you face that he can't handle. Sometimes we just have to be willing to give it to him though. We have to be willing to say, God, I lay this at your feet. I lay everything that I'm facing and every challenge that I'm experiencing at your feet because I believe in the power of Jesus. I believe that he is a chain breaker. Whatever discouragement, depression, anxiety, isolation, anything that you're facing, any jobs insecurity or questioning job security, it doesn't matter because he breaks chains and he meets us exactly where we're at. Can we give God a shout of praise this morning? Man, happy Sunday. Uh, Go ahead, say hi to some people. Air high five, fist bump, whatever you feel comfortable with, and you can grab a seat. Don't worry, we won't make you stand all morning. What a time of worship. There's something special about it. To go from we praise you and then to remind ourselves why. Because Jesus is coming to meet us exactly where we're at. He'll chase us down and do whatever it takes because he's a chain breaker. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm excited this morning. It's great to see all these smiling faces in the room, despite the heat. It's nice and air-conditioned in here, right? If I had the opportunity to meet you, my name is TJ. My wife, Melissa, and I are lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church, and um, it's been fun hanging out here at the branch, taking what God has entrusted us with and utilizing it to the best of our abilities. Some of you may have heard, others of you may not have, but September 12th, we will be back in Horlick High School. Yes. And some of you may think this is the only place I know of. That's cool too, because this is where we've been for a season, but prior to COVID, we were in Horlick High School on uh, not too far from here, and uh, we've been communicating with the school district ever since, and things are opened up to a, a place now where they're letting us back in. So we're incredibly excited about that. Um, so I can't wait to see what God has in store for us in this next season, but this has been one for the memory books. And uh, if you're just jumping into Soul Revival, we're thankful to have you here. As Joe so beautifully stated, you don't have to believe to belong here at Soul Revival Church. We know God meets us where we're at. And, uh, break every chain. That always gets me because I remember in, in points in my life where I was just in these darkest pits and feeling isolated and feeling depression, just bearing down on my shoulders and having Jesus meet me in the middle of it to know that he is the one that will meet us in whatever situation that we're in and he'll break those chains to help us. And just to get to cry out to him in those ways is so special. And doing it together in a space like this too, man, to hear the voices just declaring the praises of God and the kids up top, you know, they're now in their classroom, but to have them in this environment is cool to hear their little voices singing that too. So special. Um, but if you've got your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, we're going to be in a few spots, but uh, Colossians, Colossians 3. And uh, if not, that's cool. We'll throw it up on the screen here in a moment. But just want you to know first and foremost, the Bible can be intimidating. We understand that. Uh, but we always want to let you know, like, this is not a rule book. This is not a list of things you have to do in order for God to love you. This is a love story about a God who created us and because of the free will he's given us, we separated ourselves from God through the sin that entered into the world. 
but he was on a mission to get us back and he sends his son Jesus for us and this is all about Jesus coming to rescue us to allow us to have that direct relationship with him through the sacrifice Jesus made through his death, burial, and resurrection. How many know he's, he didn't stay there? He is risen. Colossians 3. Some of you are like, I already see it on the screen. That's cool. You beat me there. Colossians 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is The High Road. The High Road. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you're here in this place right now. You're wherever people are watching or listening from too. Uh, we're so thankful that you meet us exactly where we're at. Lord, I pray that you would help me get out of the way. Holy Spirit, you've got something to say today and I don't wanna be a barrier for anybody. So I just pray that um, what you want said is gonna penetrate some hearts to change some lives. God, we thank you that we get to be in this space together. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. How many people love to read? We got a lot of readers in here. How many people are like, yeah, I don't like to read so much? I'll follow in that group. I'll, I'll be honest with you. They say leaders are readers, so I've had to condition myself to read. The Bible, I love reading, but then it's like, man, I've read the Bible, now I gotta read something else? <laughs> so I've, I've found audible books to be awesome. But sometimes it's challenging. It took me back to high school too. You try to find cliff notes. Or you'd be like, man, please, please, please. This was the only time you might've prayed. God, please let our teacher give us a book that there's a movie for. And all your references to it were from some movie. Like, I remember The Great Gatsby. That's what I did. You know, one of these, that book is thick. I was like, you know what? There's a movie? Robert De Niro's in it? It was nothing like Casino. You know, I didn't really love it, but it got me through the class. But some people just don't like to read a whole lot. And you're like, where am I going with this? Well, today we're going to be studying a book of the Bible. That's the third shortest in the whole entire Bible. If you want to say, I read a book today, you get to say that. We're going to read a whole book together. Does that sound fun? The book is Philemon, Philemon. And the reason why we're there, I'm gonna give you a backstory on why we're there. So this particular book was written by Paul when he was in prison. So Colossians that we started reading to kick off our service together was actually sent to Philemon in the church that he planted in his house. So he got a nice little letter sent directly to him along with a letter that was meant for the whole church. And it's gonna be cool to get to unpack it a little bit because there's a lot of things going on. And God is so good in that way, where he's moving and he's working in different places within our lives, and he starts to line up different storylines. And you start to see how he does it, and you're like, oh, wow, I saw, I didn't realize God was doing that. Like, what, how's he working? Um, so it, it's gonna be fun to get to dive into it. And we're in a collection of talks right now called Summer Mixtape. So summer mixtape is where we're just uh, grabbing different themes that God has been speaking to our hearts to unpack them. So if you haven't been with us before, right now this is a one-off. This is a, a one-message thing, so you're good to go. But in um, Philemon 1, 4 to 5, so he's writing this to Philemon, his wife, and some other people at his house, but it says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his people, all his holy people, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. 
Man, that's some nice encouragement, right? Who doesn't like to be encouraged when someone comes and tells you like, hey, you're doing a great job. I see you. I love you. I care about you. And you're doing great. Some of you are like, man, people don't do that well enough. Well, I can admit to the fact that a lot of us struggle with that. And here's what I've found to be helpful. Anytime I'm feeling discouraged, try to think of ways that you can encourage someone else. Encourage is to put courage in. So we all have those days, and I could imagine Paul probably had quite a few, even though based on his writings, you would never have thought that. He is on trial in Rome. He is in prison right now for his faith in Jesus. And he's just sitting there waiting for trial, uncertain of what's to come next. And he's writing these letters, and he's encouraging someone else. And you find joy through that. You can, and you'll be surprised because you know everyone's got a lot of things happening in their lives. So take a moment, like God, who do you want me to encourage today? I'm feeling bummed, no one's texted me in a while. Okay, who can I text? Who can I give a call to? Maybe I'll just shout them out on Facebook Messenger, which I've learned is a whole separate app now. <laughs> people laugh at me like, where have you been? I was like one of the first people who went on to Facebook in college when you still had to use your college email address. It was only allowed that way. Um, but then I got saved, entered a relationship with Jesus, and was like, you know what, I'm just going to cut that out. I'm cutting that thing out. And I just never got back on it. But now we got all kinds of ways to communicate. So Facebook message somebody. I'm on Instagram. You can find me there. I'll message you back. But encourage someone. It's great. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's like, hey, you've got a church going on in your house. I know there might be some challenges with what that might look like. But be encouraged. I'm seeing what you're doing. I'm loving the way that you're blessing others, the way that you're helping edify people in their relationship with Jesus. And he was known to be a wealthy man, so he was also helping people financially. And Paul wanted to encourage him for that, which is great. And then it says, therefore, it's like that but in a sentence, like you're doing great, but no, no one's ever been there. No one's ever had to give that kind of news. You're doing awesome at work, but <laughs> we're cutting back on people. Bummer, right? Well, here, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. This is a different kind of encouragement. It's that encouragement that moms and dads give, like, I encourage you to clean your room. <laughs> I encourage you to do your homework, you know? It's like, feels like an encouragement. Paul's encouraging him as someone that's helped plant that church. And he's encouraging him that, hey, maybe we should show some grace here. And by the way, I'm in jail. Don't forget, I'm chilling in a cell right now. I'm just asking you to give a little grace, you know? How many people like that kind of encouragement? Like, I have some of that encouragement to give today, right after service. No, that was funny to me. We'll move on. But it says, formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. And it's like, all right, what's the big deal about this Philemon? Why is he writing this to him? Who's this Onesimus? Like, what's happening here? So I'm going to give you some backstory. Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. And he was a slave that 
stole some, some stuff from Philemon. We don't know exactly what, but he took riches. He took something and he escaped. And he escaped to Rome because in those days, like there was a lot of slave trading and things going on uh, within that society. And people would escape to Rome because there were so many people there. They could kind of hide out and sink in. But here's what's really cool about how God works is that in the midst of it, he ends up meeting Paul and Paul introduces him to Jesus and his life is transformed. So now Paul is like, man, Onesimus, like he's got this heart and this passion for Jesus and he's helping me out here. And I just want to let you know, like you used to say that he was useless, but he is useful. I promise you. And if you're kind of a geek like me, Onesimus, that, that name means useful. So the fact that he had a name that meant useful, but he was looked at as useless, but Paul's trying to flip it on his head. Like, I feel like he was the first hip hop artist. He used to just write stuff like, let me just twist this in for you. You know, those analogies and those metaphors, and you got to really be paying close attention for it to hit you. But he's letting them know like, hey, he's useful now. He can live according to his name. He's useful. And he continues, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not, be, would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. He's like, man, I want you to come to this own conclusion, but I'm just sharing my heart with you for my boy Onesimus. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Sometimes we make some mistakes in our lives and God uses it, but he brings us back to the same places. Like, and I can relate to that. I grew up in Racine. I was a little hoodlum. Anybody who knew me when I was a kid would be like, what? Not only do you follow Jesus, but you're a pastor? Like, yep, you know, that's just how cool God is. He can transform some things. But he was in this one place and now he's in a new place. And he says, no longer as a slave, this is what's awesome. But better than a slave as a dear brother. And these kind of things were unheard of. Because the penalty for someone who were to run away like Onesimus did could have been death. But Paul's pleading to him and saying, not only, not only do I want you to let him live, but I want you to accept him as a brother, as a free man. This is huge. And that, most of us, you might've been like, man, I never even knew this book was in the Bible. Well, it has a lot to do with even the beginning of our country and the history here because both sides of the Civil War would try to use it to push forward their agenda. Some saying, you know what? He's not trying to free slaves. Paul wasn't saying that, he was telling him to go back, but the other side's like, no, clearly he's trying to. But here's what Paul was doing, because this right here, these verses actually came to the abolition of slavery in those days, in this European and Asian territory. And it's because he speaks to heart issues first. He's, he's, he takes the high road, just like God does. He takes the high road, because we set our eyes on things above. This is kingdom focus and not worldly focus. And that's what God will do in our own lives. He speaks to spiritual challenges and spiritual issues in our own lives, saying, I want to correct this. I didn't come here to change politics, but I came here to change you. And the more you love Jesus and the way you live out your faith, that's how those things take place and things change. But I'm speaking kingdom focus right now. And that's what Paul is doing. He's saying, look, he's transformed. He has a relationship with Jesus. As he comes back to you, don't take him as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. This is profound. And I love the way that Paul just does it expectantly. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. So he's saying, look, he's even more valuable to you now than he ever was before. He is useful, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. And it's like, man, he's just saying, accept him as a person that he is and not property. 
accept him for who he is. And, and we might think, yeah, that's so beyond ourselves. But sometimes we look at people and we think of what can they do for me as opposed to how can I love them and be there for them? How can they help me accomplish the things I'm trying to do versus just loving someone right where they're at and being there for someone like you're called to do? And that's what Paul's speaking to. He's saying, look, accept him back as a brother because together you guys can do some incredible things. He loves Jesus, you love Jesus. You wanna know something that's also really cool? And it kind of hints at it as we go beyond this is that Paul introduced Philemon to Jesus too. How cool would that be for Paul? Like he just randomly meets this fugitive slave, introduces him to Jesus, comes to find out where he's from. He's like, wow, I know both of you. And the more you follow Jesus, the more you find people from different areas of your life. Maybe you met someone at work and then you know someone else personally. And then all of a sudden you see how God wants to use you to connect them. Or maybe they've had a history and you get to help bring reconciliation. Because that's what God wants for all believers, for us to live at peace with everyone to the best of our ability. Amen. Amen. And that's what he's calling him to right now. He's saying, look, accept him as a brother. And then he, then he says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. This is where he really starts tugging at his heart, right? Imagine if it were me coming, the one who introduced you to Jesus. Treat him like you would me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Who does this remind you of? Spoiler alert, Jesus. I didn't make you wait too long. Because what we deserve is death for our sin and our transgression. No one is perfect except Jesus. And he's saying, whatever they owe, I got it. I love the, the similarities here in the way that Paul's writing because he wants them to see that. He wants them to remember that each of us are broken. He really wants Philemon to remember like, hey, there was a time you did not have Jesus and he took the place of it. But he's saying, look, even here from a cell, whatever he owes you, I'll pay it back. But accept him there as though it's me. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, which is also big. He used to have Luke write for him. He would have Mark. He would have different people write down the things that he was sharing. But he's like, no, I want you to know right now, I am physically writing this letter. That's how important this is. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. That's what references the fact that he introduced him to Jesus. Hey, don't forget you owe me everything. If you want me to pay you back, I will, but you owe me everything. So accept Onesimus as you would me. Talk about a true salesman, right? Just like layer by layer, very crafty in his messaging, beautifully written. Most people would try to articulate these kind of things in person, it would be challenging, and he just writes it out. Like, all right, let me make sure that you know where we're at and what I'm trying to do because I want you to know that you can accept anyone, but take them in as a brother. It was beautiful. And there's no coincidence in Christ. It's by no accident that Onesimus was introduced to Paul the same way Philemon was. Just like it's no accident for those of us in this room right now. It's no accident that you might be watching this online months from now. That's how intricate God is. And that's what I love about God. It's like no matter how much you study, no matter how much you try to get to know and understand who God is, you will never fully know who he is. But he's spinning these webs where he's interconnecting everything and then just blows your mind afterwards like, what? How'd he do that? It was years before that Philemon made that decision and planted a church in his house. 
And years later, he's linking these two guys back. This is all like the intro slash middle. You guys are like, what? <laughs> no one laughed. The, the, and then it says, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So he's saying, I need some encouragement too. Encourage me by responding to this letter the way that I'm asking you to. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. It's like, man, he took it to a whole nother level now. He's like, man, all, and I'm, I'm letting you know, you owe me everything, but I'll pay it to you if you need it. But I know you're even going to do more than that. Does that summary help anybody? Helps me sometimes. I got to try to write stuff down, remember it. But he's pleading to his heart as brother in Christ. And some of us as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's some people in our lives that might have done some things to us. And God is pleading to our hearts and saying, how do you find reconciliation? Accept them back. Live at peace with everyone the best that you can. And there's some different phases that he brought it to. He started by celebrating them. Like, hey, I'm going to celebrate who you are and what you're doing in this church that you started up. But then he's trying to convince him. Like, hey, this is what, something that I'm asking you to do. And then he slowly comes in with challenge. For those of you who know me well, you know I like alliteration. And he challenges them a little bit along the way, like, and, and do it. But I think the, the biggest thing is that he wants him to extend compassion. See, there's lots of words that we, we sometimes mix up. And, and it was cool. At work this week, I, I, I have a different job, too. I'm not talking like, this is my vocation, Soul Revival Church. But we had a training on empathy. And I think it's so cool because the world will try to explain empathy, but they don't quite get it because they don't have Jesus in it. That's the only way to truly have it because there's sympathy of like, yeah, I feel bad for you. I've been there before. And like, really, you don't care. But then there's empathy. You truly have this feeling for someone. But when you take it to the next level, that's compassion. That's a move to action. That's saying not only does my heart break for the things that you've experienced and what you're going through, I'm actually going to move to action to be there for you. And that's what Paul is saying here to him is like, look, I've got compassion and I'm asking you to have it too. I'm in chains for Christ right now to help further the gospel to help you out. You owe me everything, but you know what? I just want you to have compassion for Onesimus and welcome him in as your brother. And one thing more, this is how he closes it out before he thanks everybody else and lets them know everybody who's saying hi. Paul likes to do that. He's like, lets people know at the top of his letters, here's who I'm with, here's who I'm hanging with. And then at the end, he's saying, hey, and they all say, what's up? Here's who I'm hanging with, they all say, what's up? I'll, I'll look for some more uh, tactical words next time. I'll just try to make it easy for you. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. So he's like, and I might be coming. Save a room for me. I'm going to be there. I don't know if in his mind he knew this or not because he would be martyred a short time later. He would die for his faith. But he's letting him know, hey, and save a space for me. So all these things I'm saying, hey, do this, accept him. Talk about a challenge, right? Hey, and save me a spot. But I think Paul's heart was so pure and sincere, though. He wasn't trying to manipulate him. He was just trying to speak to Christ in him. Philemon, accept him in. Asking him to take the high road, doing what society would deem as crazy. Take the high road and accept him back. But here, I want to talk about Onesimus for a minute. 
Because all of us can relate to him. We've all made mistakes and we've all fallen short and we've all needed grace to be shown to us. But what's cool about him, and I'm gonna read a, a verse for you, Matthew 16, 24 to 25. These were verses that were briefly covered on last week, but I think it applies here to who he is. So it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And the way this applies is Onesimus. He's sitting there with Paul, and now he's being asked to take it back. Onesimus is the one that takes this letter and the letter to the Colossian church back to Philemon. How easy could it have been like, ah, I'm just gonna take this letter, I'm gonna dip off. He was, in a, he was with another dude. Go ahead, take this to the Colossian church. I'm out, all right? I'll, I'll catch up, I'll catch up. And just dip out because, you know, <laughs> I'm not going back there. He's going to keep me a slave. I'm not risking that. And that's funny, but some of us, God's calling us to do some things that might feel a little uncomfortable. We're like, oh, we want to take that temptation. Where's my chance to duck out the back door when nobody's looking? I'm going to walk from, I'm going to go from Rome all the way to Colossae. Like that's a far distance. They had to travel very far. So ultimately, he is traveling back to the guy that can give his sentence to him. And he's carrying the very letter that hopefully will redeem him, but he has no clue if it'll happen. And we can find ourselves in those moments where we have to, one, acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. Say, all right, Jesus has died for me to save me, and because of that salvation, I'm his. Because once we've acknowledged it, now we need to act on what he calls us to do. That's the tough part. That's the part that requires effort. Onesimus, he now, he knows he has a salvation through Jesus and he was feeling this conviction to head back there. And I don't know if Paul was the one who told him to go back or if he's the one that said, hey, I'm feeling called to go back and kind of make things right there. Because when God gets a hold of your heart, he, wants to, he starts tugging on some things and saying, oh, I want to work on some things. I want you to restore some things. You might have to say sorry. It's not a swear word, I promise. And whatever conviction he had, whether it was through the leading of Paul or him coming to it on his own, he decided, like, I need to act on what my faith is telling me now. Because now that I've acknowledged who Jesus is and he's changed my heart, I want to act on what he's calling me to do. And here, here's the part that is even more challenging is to accept, accept the outcome. So as we read Matthew, and it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's this idea like there's sacrifice to our faith, but there's so much glory and joy on the other side of it that we don't understand in the moment though. God's just saying, are you willing to take a step? You've acknowledged who I am, but now are you willing to act on what I'm asking you to do? And now that you're acting on it, are you willing to accept that my outcome might be different than yours? Because he will use it. Trust me, he will use it. He'll even use the things before you knew Jesus to make that change. And right now, I see that through the life of Onesimus. Like, he robbed and then left from the person that was his master and is feeling compelled to go back. And Paul's saying, hey, accept him as a brother. But he still has to say, I'm willing to accept it even if he doesn't allow that to happen because he's trusting God for it. 
And some of you might be like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I've had other times I've been burned and it didn't work out that, quite that way. But it's having even if kind of faith. God, no matter what, you're asking me to do this. And even if it doesn't work out the way I'd like it to, I'm trusting in you and your plan and purpose through it all. Now how he works everything together. As we, we felt called to plant Soul Revival Church and we're gonna move back to Racine. We were like, boom, let's do it. Put the house on the market. We're gonna find a church plant organization. We're gonna head back to Racine and off we go. It's gonna be awesome. And then almost two years go by before our house sells. Every single month, why isn't it happening? I feel like God called us to this. But having to stay consistent in it anyways. But we were a little hesitant. We weren't, you know, actively doing anything to get our house ready outside of making it look nice every time someone wants to look at your house. Who likes that? People are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've sold a house recently. It sold within two seconds and 20 plus people put in bids and I made 20 G's over asking. Our realtor kept telling us, you need to sell it for less than asking. You need to short sell. We're like, man, God's called us to do this. Not, we're believing in him. We're going to get a full price offer. She thought we were insane. And I don't blame her. But our faith continued to drive us. And then I'll never forget the day, like right before Christmas, Melissa and I are praying over it. She's like, yeah, but we need to act on what he's calling us to do. Like, yeah, we put our house on the market. We started telling everybody we're going to go plant a church. But what else were we doing? She said, we need to start packing. I said, you're crazy. No, we're going to start packing. And we're going to start selling stuff. She's like, let's sell the treadmill, elliptical. I was like, that's easy. They're never used, right? <laughs> but then it's like, now we're going to sell our dining room table, the chairs. We're going to start selling everything and packing everything up. I'm like, man, this is nuts. Nobody's wanted to buy our house for months. At that point, it was a whole year. But we took that action in our faith and started trusting God. And at the same time, we were going through the interview process to um, plant through ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. It's a great organization that helps churches plant, helps prepare you, train you up. They match dollar for dollar up to 50 G's. So as we fundraise for that, they match dollar for dollar. That's a whole different story on how we hit 50 G's in the last hour of our campaign. And someone's like, here's eight G's. And we were exactly eight G's short. I'm just telling you, sometimes you got to live by faith and trust God in what he's doing. And I'm sharing these stories with you because it's important to trust God and make an action, even when you don't know what the outcome is going to look like. And even if it's a little bit scary, because we started packing up, we started living actively in that way. And we got accepted by the church planning organization and accepted a full price offer on our house within a month of each other. Somebody give God some praise for that. And that's not about something he did for us. It's something he did for us because he knew Soul Revival Church was coming to Racine. It didn't happen the way we wanted it to. We wanted it to be super easy. How many people have ever done something like they just have dreamed for it for years and just happens to you like that? Maybe some of you, but you probably got it and we're like, okay, what's next? But the things you have to grind it out for, the things you have to work for, the things you have to take a risk for, you have to step out in faith. Faith is the belief in something not seen. You're not testing God. He's just compelling us to follow our faith and say, all right, I'm going to believe you in it no matter the outcome. And that 
So I'm redefining the high road, if you can't tell. That is what Onesimus did. He's like, I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to keep my eyes set on things above. And even though other people would think I'm crazy, any other escaped slave would think I'm nuts to go back here. I'm feeling compelled to do it. And that could be for us just going back to the same job on Monday. Like, man, I'm trying a new job because everybody's hiring. Boss is annoying. And I'm not telling you to stay someplace you don't like either. You got to pray and have your own conviction. So don't run off with this one sentence like, I'm quitting my job on Monday. But sometimes God calls us to stay into things and to trust him in it. And sometimes he calls us to head in another direction. But it's spending time in prayer. It's reading God's word, which is not intimidating. But it's also living in a community of fellow believers. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another. So we sharpen each other. Hey, I've been feeling God's calling me to this. Would you help me process it? I'm sure he, as he was hanging out with Paul and tending to him, he's processing it the whole time. He probably didn't just go up, going back to Philemon. Let's see what happens. I'm sure he questioned whether he should do it. But ultimately, he does. Because in Matthew 16, 26, it says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their life? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And his response to this is exactly that. It's saying, I can go and pursue the world. I can have the freedom that I just went out and took. Or I can trust God, even though what I'm doing, anybody else would think I'm crazy for. But he takes the letter and he goes. And then you've got Philemon, and he's in a position where he's like, all right, I've received this letter, and here's Onesimus. What is he going to do? Because anybody else in that society would look at him and be like, all right, well, if he were to accept him as a brother, would every other slave that he has now try to attempt to say, hey, I'm a Christian? Or how's every other person going to look at him? And that's what's incredible about Paul and the way that he speaks to the heart because he's speaking about life, about people. We are all created equal under God. He's saying, accept him as your brother. And he has this conviction and he has this challenge now. What do I do? Am I going to respond to Paul's letter? And then it would be awesome if you turn the page and it said, the conclusion to the story. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happens next. Like, man, what, what happened? Sent the letter. The fact that it's in the Bible is a very uh, optimistic thing. The fact that it's even there is really great because it, had that not been his response to accept him as a brother, he probably wouldn't have found it in there. He probably would have been like, yeah, I'm going to rip this thing up. Hey, guess what? Paul sent us a letter for the Colossian church. But no, we now get to read about it. See, but in Colossians, I want to read to you. Colossians 3.11 says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the letter that Philemon would have received at the same time. Representing who Christ followers are. It's not, we're not defined by different things. We're followers of Christ. We are one body pursuing Jesus. Therefore, as God's chosen people by holy 
and dearly love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. I don't feel like Paul put that in there by accident. He wrote to him directly, but now he's speaking to that church as a whole, but he most likely would have been the one reading and addressing his church and his house with this letter. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He's saying, take the high road. Take the high road. Some of us need to take the high road in our life. We need to take the road less traveled by because we set our eyes on things above. Reminder of the verse we open with, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. God has a higher calling for us. He has a higher road he's asking us to go down. He's saying, look, do things that might seem erratic and irrational and crazy in this broken world, but I'm gonna do something through it. And I bet each and every one of us can relate to Onesimus or Philemon in this moment in different stages of our life. And it's saying, how do we extend grace? How do we love people? How do we give forgiveness when it maybe isn't deserved? But also how do we trust God to say, all right, I know you're in this moment, even if it seems crazy for me to pursue this. So the nerd in me did some studying because I don't like to be continues and never continue, you know? Which is how I drew the conclusions I just did as well. But guess what? A dude named Onesimus became the second bishop of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus and Colossae are very close to one another. So after Timothy, when you read Timothy, he was the bishop or the pastor of the Ephesian church. And now this guy named Onesimus comes and is the next bishop. That same bishop is the one known to be the first one to start collecting all of the books of the New Testament and compiling them together. I just got chills right now. I didn't have chills the first time I studied it and found it, but you know what, for me, like when God connects those type of things, it's like, all right, how could that not be him? The timing adds up. It's close to the city he went back to. The fact that the book of Philemon is even in the Bible, but that not only he accepted him as a brother, but now he rose up and he's like, you know what, now I'm starting to compile all of Paul's writings because he continued to serve Paul to serve Christ. And he's like, you know what? I need to put that one in there because that's my story. Don't block out your story. Sometimes you need to put it in there. You need to let people know what you've been through and what you've experienced. Because God is working and moving even when you don't think it is. Or your story you might think doesn't add up to someone else's story because you haven't been through quite as much. But when you live in brokenness and you come to a place of saying, I can't do this on my own and I need God and you step into a relationship with Jesus, your story matters. And when we can come together and share our stories with other people, it's gonna help change the lives of all those people around us. That's who God is and that's how good he is to say, you know what, I could go and change a life like that on my own, but I wanna use you to do it. He used Paul to introduce Jesus to Philemon. He used Paul to introduce Jesus to Onesimus. And the rest is history. How does God want to use you? 
How's he asking you to take the high road? To take a route that might be uncommon? Maybe you're like, you know what? I, I feel like Onesimus, but I've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus yet. I don't know what that means. What do I have to do? Here's the beauty behind it. There's nothing you have to do. Jesus is coming after you. And he's meeting you exactly where you're at. And all the Bible says that you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's all that's required. But then our response to that gets to be something different. We can take the high road and take a journey and an adventure that can look differently than the world will tell us makes sense. And you could be a part of a bigger story like this and see how God uses it now. Thousands of years later, we're being impacted by it. Thousands, a little under 2,000, okay? Some of you are like, it's not thousands yet. But we never like to close a service out without giving someone that opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. You need to know whatever you're facing, whatever brokenness you've experienced, any trials that you've had, the mistakes that you've made. Jesus is saying, I want to meet you in them because I got a story for you. I got a high road for you that I want to take you down. And there's some reconciliation I can work through. So we never want to close out service without giving people that opportunity to respond to what God's speaking to your hearts. So I'm going to ask right now in this space, if everyone could bow your head and close your eyes, we want to make it a safe place for anybody. But I'm going to count to three in a moment. And when I hit three, and if that's you and you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, we ask that you would just shoot your hand in the air. Because one, you need to know that you will never be the same. Two, you need to know that Jesus came and he died for you. He would do it for the one and he will meet you in your brokenest of areas and he will not judge you for it, but he will extend mercy and grace to you. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand in the air today? You can shoot your hand up high. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. I'm going to pray with those who just made that decision here today. God, we thank you so much that you meet us right where we're at, that you meet us in our broken places, that you bring restoration and reconciliation to all things. We're sorry for the ways that we fall short, for the mistakes that we make, but we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. God, we believe that Jesus came for us, that he died for our sin, but that he rose again and he's seated on high in heaven. God, we thank you that you forgive us and that our sin is as far as the east is from the west. We rejoice and we celebrate for those who are stepping into a relationship with you for the first time today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.